Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. For those of you that are new to the community, I am Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. For those seasoned listeners, thank you so much for tuning back into another segment. With me today is a very special guest by the name of Caleb Gardner, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Caleb because you definitely do not want to miss this. So here we go. Caleb Gardner's career has been driven by curiosity and focus on change. For more than three years, he was the lead digital strategist for OFA Barack Obama's political advocacy group. Caleb led one of the largest digital programs in existence, including the most followed Twitter account in the world, at Barack Barack Obama. But his decades of experience in digital leadership, entrepreneurship, and social impact don't just include work in government and politics. He's built operational frameworks for a variety of organizations in the public and private sectors, including at prestigious professional services firms, the Bain and Company and Elderman. Now, as the co-founder and managing partner of 18 Coffees, an innovative consulting firm, Caleb helps businesses with a mission to change the world, get a foothold in the future using his professional experience to solve impossible problems and bring new ideas to life to global clients such as United Way Worldwide, Bose Corporation, Comcast, and others. And there's some other things that Caleb does, but I don't want to bore you. I want to bring on the man behind it all, Caleb Gardner. (laughs) I'm here. Thanks so much for having me. This is fun. My pleasure, Caleb. So let's just dive in. So you have a lot of background. You are definitely multifaceted and multidimensional with a mix of politics, a mix of professionalism, and a mix of Caleb without you being tied to a specific label. So what made you get involved in politics? Because you know that is a touch and go subject and it could be hot or cold. That's right. And I do great impressions for my kids. That's a, that should put that into my bio. Um, I, you know, the political world is a is a tough world to be in because it's so divisive, but it's also some of the most important work you can possibly do. I mean, what's the old Teddy Roosevelt quote? You know, the credit belongs to the, the person, I will update to, person who gets in the ring, um, not just the critic from the outside. I think a lot of us have a habit of looking at what our political leaders do and critiquing and and we should, that's part of being in a democracy, but, you know, getting in and fighting for the things that you believe in, I think is really important. And I think it's exhausting. And there's the only reason, there's a reason I didn't do it for more than four years, but I've got plenty of friends that do, and I r- respect them, you know, to no end. So it's important work. So looking back at your younger self to where you are now, did you have anyone around you that was involved in politics that you're like, hmm, this kind of seems interesting? Or was it something that you fell into? No, not yeah, it wasn't that there was someone involved that was a role model. I think it stemmed from um, 
me just being interested in history originally. Like I, I majored in history as an undergraduate. And so learned a ton about the American presidency specifically in American history and also world history, but it was really interested in these kind of theories of great leadership that had driven the presidency for a long time. And so there was a series of events where I graduate, you know, with this history degree, not really knowing honestly what I wanted to do with it. And so my parents weren't that thrilled. And then I moved to the Chicago area and started hearing about this senator that we had called Barack Obama, who eventually ran for president. I mean, it was just kind of right place at the right time in a lot of ways. But that was that was my introduction, just, you know, learning about history, being involved kind of as a political citizen first. Mm, Okay. And along with being a political uh, citizen and just piquing your interest after, you know, having a history degree and you wanting to know more about history, presidency, and et cetera, whenever you started working with Barack Obama, was there something from the inside looking out that you had no idea you would have been involved with? Because whenever you're not in the scope of things, you're on the outside looking in, but now that you're actually in it doing the grunt work, did any of your views change? Mm Yes, I would say that um, a couple of things happen. One, I think that I was actually more moderate going into it. And in some ways, being around my more progressive friends radicalized me about specific issues and why they cared about them so much. And at the same time, I realized how how much we're affected by being around people who believe the same things as us and how easy it is to demonize those we don't agree with. Like, even as I was in it, I was having flashbacks to having grown up um, in a more conservative culture. I grew up in Oklahoma, which is one of the reddest states in the union. Um, I, you know, grew up in the Bible belt and was very affected by, you know, religious beliefs. and, And that was underpinned a lot of the a lot of the political beliefs, but also just a lot of the culture in general. And so there were there were things that I rebelled against as a young kind of up and coming teenager in that, uh, you know, in that environment. And I saw this same kinds of ideological purity in politics, where it was like, you have to believe the same things that we do, you have to do it, you know, like there was a lot of it wasn't it went farther than just I'm going to persuade you that my point of view is right it went to this kind of zero or one thinking about like you're either with with us or you're against us and I just I didn't really love that I felt like I had to be a part of the you know church of progressivism like I really love you know there's a reason why I believe these things but I don't I don't want it to become this like ideology that I have to follow like I don't want to follow because it's the right uh, or because everyone else is following it, I want to I want to believe these things because I believe that they're right and I want to fight for them. Does that make sense? Yes, that definitely makes sense. And I love that you just said that because that shows leadership, that shows character, and it shows that I'm going to you know lead my own path. I'm not necessarily going to follow the path of the majority. You're in it to learn what what it is that you want to learn and then you're going to dissect what resonates with you and whatever doesn't resonate you're just probably going to put it to the side for later later if you need to stumble upon it and one thing that you um, stated and I'm going to quote you you said your career has been at the intersection of digital transformation and social impact so your big focus is change 
personally and professionally. So how do you make sure that change is being taken into consideration in your home life and in your professional life? Because sometimes people love to merge the two, even though you're not necessarily tied to a label or you're not tied to a specific group. Yeah, I think that is, I could, I could have a whole other podcast on change in my personal life. <laughs> I mean, that's a, you just, you just had a baby. I just uh, moved. I mean, like we, we deal with these things as they come and we have to, you know, adapt. Um, I, I, I think that we, you started off talking about digital transformation and social impact. And I think those, those things have colored the way that I have thought about change. Um both in my personal life and in my professional life, to be honest. I mean, I think that we underestimate the effect that technology has on society on any given day. And I think from the beginning, when I started getting really interested in digital strategy, coming from that history background that we already talked about, um, I saw the bigger picture. I was like, this is where, like, we are, there's about to be major shifts in how we think about our role in government, how we think about our role as it relates to companies, how we think about, you know, our role with each other as employees. Like there's just, I, I knew that once, once we kind of unleashed this massive supercomputer that we carry around in our pockets and we get connected to the rest of the world and we get to hear what the rest of the world cares about, like how could that not be transformational? And so from the beginning, I've tried to push the people that I work with and my clients and, you know, whatever environment I'm in to think about, you know, the bigger picture of it, like it, the small details matter of what we're doing every day, but also where's this going and what are the implications of, of, you know, going in this direction. So, mm. so what I'm hearing is, although we're making transitions, those transitions are being transformative, but if we're not cognizant on the transformation that is taking place, it makes me want to ask a question. Are we regressing, progressing? Mm -hmm. Are we hindering ourselves? Or are we, you know, getting so caught up in the world system that we're losing a sense of identity because we're so busy vying for all this technology that we lose a grip of who we are individually? Yes. Weigh in on that one. You look like you have a lot to say there. I want to hear your thoughts. I, I mean, I think all of those things can be true at once. And it's incredibly messy. Like we are, we are at least not, and not, if we're not losing our identity, we're at least being affected by the constant persuasion and interaction with other people, like the constant the constant, how could the constant persuasive messages and constant consumption of news not change us on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Um, psychologists have a term for it that they've mostly applied to teenagers because that's such a transformational time in life called identity play, where they will try on different hats and say, does this fit me? Does this fit me? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think we all are doing that, even if we don't realize it, like maybe as adults, we do it on more of a micro level or it takes longer for us to see if that identity fits. But when we join specific Facebook groups, when we follow specific email lists, when we say publicly, like sharing something, isn't this terrible or isn't this wonderful? Like we're making declarations about what we believe and what our identity is a thousand times a day without realizing it. And I think over time that really starts to have an effect. I mean, that's this one of the things that I wrote about in my book, No Point B, 
is that we don't we underestimate that identity creation that we both participate in and are affected by on the internet every day and that affects how we should think about you know our leadership capabilities it also just affects how we should think about i think our identity in the world and the effects of um being an internet citizen mm, wow you dropped a whole lot there uh, a lot of <laughs> gems and one thing that i was think uh thinking about too is whenever we start to put certain things out there whether we're liking a post we're commenting on something we're researching something we don't realize it but all of that is being filtered into an algorithm and before you know it we'll start to see things pop up and you're like hmm I didn't search for this or but it's like what did you put out there or what did you like or what did you comment on and then that becomes in your feed and how many times audience have you been thinking about something or you like something and you forgot about it and you start seeing those different things in your feed and it's because this smartphone is smart and it's picking up on your behavior. So it's going to start to show you things in order to persuade you to either like more content, buy more stuff, get connected with somebody that's in the same vein or et cetera. And it's like, sometimes we think that we're doing something so simple, but it ends up turning into something so big. And then we get so, we're like here, and then we get so pulled away or far removed because of what we have catered our attention to. Would you agree or disagree with that statement, Caleb? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, again, I just think we're, we do it unconsciously in a thousand ways. What's the, what's the old um, analogy where, where two fish are, are going downstream and another one swims by and says, hey, how's the water today? And then keep swimming and the, the two fish turn to each other and go, what's water? <laughs> like that's that that to me is a great analogy for for us and the modern connected world that we live in like we just we don't we don't really ever think about it we just do it but it's it's massively transformative and much more new than we even remember like the iPhone's only what 15 years old like the internet's only really in a modern version maybe 20 30 years old like this is all very new from the standpoint of history. So we're, we're, there's still a lot of dissonance in terms of how we have learned how to reconcile with it and like live in it. So why, it's why it feels so messy and so broken a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. I could agree with that. And one of my past guests said, history doesn't repeat, it rhymes. And I was like, mm -hmm. hmm, I've never heard that, but it was whenever that guest said it, I was like, I started thinking about it because I was like, that's so true because some of the clothing that they had back in the 90s and some of the things they did way back then, now it's re being reintroduced, but they're just calling it a, it a different name. And my mom, like baby boomer child, she's like, oh, we had that already, been there, done that. And I was that's like, right. oh, yeah. okay. I actually really appreciate how 90s style is coming back in. I'm like, what, grunge? Yes, absolutely. I'll I'll get out my old like Nirvana t-shirts, 100%. Yeah, that, that's great. <laughs> you know what? I want to spend some time talking about your book. You alluded, alluded to it. And I want you to share the name of your book and what was the inspiration behind you writing the book? Was it based on you getting out of, 
the political climate that you were in for those four years? Was it based on your work in digital transformation and some of the other things? Or kind of tell us, spill the tea. A little bit of all of that. I mean, I, I really, I tried to think of it as a culmination of the work that I'd been doing really for the last 10 years, but especially the last five in that one of the reasons why we at 18 Coffees have been so focused on how do we change well is that we were at the forefront of a lot of these really transformative industries. And we were we were pushing our clients to think bigger picture about strategy and the impacts of technology and really trying to do this cutting edge work. And we were running into all this organizational resistance. And the organizational resist- resistance was sometimes bureaucratic, but often it was about mindset and what we believe to be true about the future and how we tell stories within companies about what we're capable of. And so we started thinking about that Obama community organizing model that we'd just come out of and said, like, there's something here about how we organize people and how we respect, empower, and include them in in a process of change and transformation, how we hear about them and create feedback loops and give them permission to engage and create ownership over the change they want to see. We can bring a lot of that thinking into the workplace and into how we make change in the workplace. And so that, that culmination of thinking about technology and and change and transformation all kind of came to a head in how we do our work. And the book I wrote, No Point B, is really about how did we think about how how all those pieces fit together and what does that mean in terms of new rules for change for us as leaders? I like it. Do you have the book near you where you can hold it up to show it? Oh, yeah, you know that I do. It's right (laughs) right behind me over here. You see it over my shoulder? Yes, No Point B. (laughs) So- The cover is black and then the words are white and then you have B as the letter B, not B-E. So why why did you focus on the cover that the way you did? Because there's always some intentionality whenever you produce the artwork on the cover of your book. Yeah, Um, it was actually my my publishing firm that came up with the idea and it's 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 all blue. It's different shades of blue so that it's dark, a darker blue, the light, lighter blue on my um the uh, lettering but then in the back which I don't think you can see because it's kind of far away there's actually a stream that it's going in the same direction for about half the page and then it splits off into lots of different directions and the idea reason why we settled on that was that it kind of represented the longer we look on horizons the more different kinds of futures that we can have right and we kind of expect that um, change is going to go from point A to point B, but in reality, there is no point B. We're going to be constantly thinking about how we have to change and how we do work differently. So that's where the the illustration comes in, which I really, really like. Nice. And thank you for walking uh, walking us through that. Yeah, because it was kind of hard to see. It kind of looked black. Yeah, it's my... kind of far back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, audience and Make sure you go grab a copy of Caleb's book and support um, the mission behind it. And now, Caleb, I want to get into the game. I didn't play it with you in the beginning because I wanted to keep you on your toes at the end to make sure you're still firing off. So before we jump into the game, is there anything else that you want to share to add value to this conversation? We talked mm-hmm. about you working for Barack Obama briefly. I, I wanted to ask more questions, but it's such a short segment. We talked about digital transformation. We talked about leadership and et cetera, but what else would you like to leave to 
really have the audience gravitate to it, but also hold them accountable when they think about their personal life professionally as well as personally. Great question. I love this. And what I would say is that what's been true of, of my work and how I've learned from whether that's Barack Obama or, you know, a mentor that I had when I was first starting my career is that ultimately change is our responsibility. It, and disruption doesn't have to be something that just happens to us. We can actually have agency over building the kind of world that we want to see. And we should see ourselves as having responsibility over the, over building the kind of world that we want to see. And that can be as simple as speaking up in the workplace when you see something that needs to change or as grand as getting involved in the political system and doing the kind of large scale change that we've already talked about. So I think everyone has to find the kind of context that matters to them and really carve out their corner of the world where they want to make a difference. But I think the thing that I would want to leave everyone with is it is your responsibility to make a difference, whether or not that is big or small. Yeah, so love it. We are all change makers. We are all here to leave this world better than we found it. So I want you to get off your butt and make some moves. Now we're going to jump into fire. So are you ready, Caleb? I guess as ready as I'm going to be. I want to hear it. Okay. Question number one. I see that you have a piano off to the side. What is your favorite thing to play? Oh, um, good question. Uh, I, I, you know, I haven't even touched it in a long time, to be honest. It's like, it's like window dressing at this point. Um, but I did minor in music, majored in history, minored in music. Again, my parents were thrilled. No idea what I was going to do. Um, my favorite thing to play is probably something I've been playing since the 90s, which is uh, Colorblind by Counting Crows, which is very like piano driven. I also have a guitar over here. I play I play guitar a lot more than I play piano. Um, and usually that's like for my kids and doing like sing alongs, which is really fun. Okay. So audience, we're going to challenge Caleb to come back for a part two and he's going to have to whip out some of his music <laughs> for us. Okay. <laughs> Question two, what is your drink of choice? Coffee, tea, or something else? Oh, 100% coffee. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I still enjoy a cocktail and stuff like that at night, but I drink coffee like all throughout the day, probably way more than I should. Um, true to the name of our company, 18 Coffees, right? Like it's probably how much I drink a day. Question three, haven't worked for the Obamas. Are you still in contact with them? Oh, <laughs> I wish. No, I still know a few people that are in their like personal office and are close to them, but I'm not personally in contact with them. No, unfortunately, <laughs> or maybe fortunately, honestly, they, they, they were exhausting to me for four years. They might, you know, they have a habit of asking you to do things. <laughs> Question four, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person past or present, who would it be? Oh, what a great question. I think that I would pick a thinker that I've been following for a while, um, whose name is Edgar Marin. And he did, he's a professor that did a lot of thinking around uh, complexity theory and systems. And I'm just a geek about um, complexity theory the last few years. And I especially like his perspective because he comes from a non-Western perspective. It's like a global perspective about it. 
Um, so I think he and I, assuming that we spoke the same language, because I think he speaks French, um, would have a lot to talk about. It'd be a very interesting conversation. Well, I like to challenge my guests. So I challenge you to learn a little bit of French and slide into his DMs or connect <laughs> with his marketing thing. Because what's the point of wanting to talk to that person if you're not going to bust a move, you know? Yeah. You have <laughs> Question five. If you could go anywhere in the world and money was no option, where would you be headed? Oh, great question. I think right now I'd probably be headed to Tokyo. I've always wanted to go to Tokyo. It's like on my bucket list. Question six. What's one piece of advice you would give to a new parent or seasoned parent? Oh, I've got three kids. So I've got a ton of advice and I could do it again, separate podcast about this, but the world changes when you have kids and you know this, like it just, I remember coming back from my, from the hospital with my kids and I was just like, oh, things are still happening. Like this is just felt like a whole different, uh, environment. So, um, enjoy every moment of the first year it is just it's a a wild ride but there's so many milestones like don't look away like really engage in it um and i don't know like uh, build your life around making their you know childhood magical and i don't think you'll ever regret it oh that was good seven what is your dream car and if you don't have a dream car would you rather a dream home Oh, I've got a good answer to this. Um, I am really into the EV market right now. I don't actually own an EV. And I think that the the ethics of it is actually like murkier than people realize, which I think is makes it fascinating to me. But it, either way, that's where the market's going. And so I'm really into this little um, company that has a manufacturing based in Illinois in my backyard called Rivian that does electric pickup trucks and electric SUVs. And they're meant to be like adventure vehicles. So you're meant to like go out into the wilderness with them and their whole, that's kind of their whole value prop. But they make this amazing looking, I think, SUV that I really want to like have our family own one day. So that's on my my roadmap. Nice. And what's the name of the company? Rivian? Rivian, yeah. Okay. They, they, they're very new. I think they literally just started rolling cars off the line for consumers to buy like last year. So it's a very, very new company. Nice. And question eight. Okay. If you could trade places with anyone, would you trade places or remain yourself? I think I would remain myself. I mean, I, I honestly, like, I think that I love, I love my life. I love, love my family. It's not perfect by any means, but couldn't imagine doing anything else or being anyone else. Nine. What is your favorite food? Hmm. Oh, that's tough. I love food. I love food. That is hard to nail. That is hard to narrow down. I mean, I'm I'm kind of like, especially when I'm stressed, I go to like good stress eating food, like, you know, a good burger, good like pizza, you know, like the things that are that are terrible for me. But whenever I want to celebrate or it's like either either I want to celebrate something or I feel really terrible and depressed, like either way I reach for that, like, heavy caloric but delicious kinds of meals you know yes I'm a foodie too I'm down in the south Texas and everything's bigger in Texas plate size yes I have to wash it if not I'll be big as a house but question (laughs) it is our pass or play question if you pass you get to ask me a question if you choose to play I'll ask one more question to wrap up rapid fire so do you want to pass 
or play? Oh, high pressure. Yeah, I want to play, definitely. Okie dokie. You get three random acts of kindness per day. What are your three for today? Mm. One is definitely texting a friend that you're thinking about them. I just think that is the easiest thing to do and make someone's day. And I've tried to make that a practice. Um, I think the other is a random uh, generosity, whether that's giving something to someone on the street or buying someone a gift that wasn't expecting it. I'm terrible at that one. I'm great at the great at the texting one. I'm terrible at the uh, at the gifting one. What would my third be? Oh, it'd probably be like giving my time unexpectedly to someone. Um, you know, maybe doing something like doing the dishes for my wife when she was expecting to do them, but like taking that off her plate, you know? I always think of it in terms of like time, talent, or treasure. Like how can I give a little bit of each of those every day? Love it. And thank you for playing rapid fire. So audience, I hope you learned a little bit more about Caleb on the personal side. Now, Caleb, what is your call to action for the audience today? Because what good is listening to the content if they're not going to take what they heard, dissect it, and apply it? I think it goes back to what we already said. Go out and be a change maker. Find your context that you want to make a difference in and lean into that. And, um, you know, like, don't don't worry about solving all the world's brokenness at once. It can be, it can feel really overwhelming. Just find your little corner of the universe you want to make a difference in. And lastly, but not least, tell the audience how they can reach you. Plug your website and where do you primarily hang out on social media, if any? Oh, I primarily hang out on Twitter, probably, although that feels like it might change in light of recent events. Um, but I'm I'm at Caleb Gardner basically anywhere, Twitter, Instagram, you know, all of that. Um, I'm calebgardner.com is my website. Uh, you can go to calebgardner.com slash books and um, pick up a copy of No Point B. So those are those are the ways that I would love to engage. But really, I mean, you can reach me just about anywhere. And I'd love to I'd love to meet new people. And there you have it, audience. You just heard the one and only Caleb Gardner. And my challenge for you is stop living your life in a box because you weren't born in a box and you're not going to be in a box until, like I say, you are called home by the good man above or the universe. So until then, get ready to pop prepared on purpose because you are here for a reason. You're in a mirror season, but the world needs you to be authentically you. So stop living in the footprints of others and pave your own way. Until the next guest, next segment, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and follow. We're on 40 plus platforms. You can see this video on our YouTube channel by going to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, where would I be without my supporters? You know, I only think about you. Because of you, we're now ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per the metrics on www.listennotes.com. So if you want to be a brand sponsor, feel free to reach out to me at gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp at gmail.com. And it's easy because it's the full name of the show of the show at gmail so until then love y'all and have an amazing day 
Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services could be here on GEMS Podcasts.